Good morning, everybody, and a lovely, warm welcome to you here this morning uh, on our Good Friday service. And a warm welcome to all of you who would be uh, watching online. Um, I will get you to avert your eyes to the screen to watch a short video as we get started this morning. Start arriving for treatment. They'll come all day, young and old. None of them ever want to be here. But for now, it's about all the hope they've got. Hurts. It never feels good. But it is good. How? How can it be good? You are injecting poison right into your veins to kill a thing inside your body before it can kill you. Reminds me of that Friday, the one we call Good Friday, where everything was so bad. What could have possibly been good about it? The best man to ever walk the face of the earth was violently killed. Guess the good wasn't clear right then. But what kind of good can come from that kind of death? Sacrifice. It was the sacrifice that would make things good. It would take our bad relationship with God and make it good. It would take our pointless life and make it good. It would take a very bad day to make the rest of our days good. Jesus took the ultimate poison, so to speak, to provide a cure for the whole world of the cancer of sin and death, once and for all. The cross reminds us that the most terrible of days, the most difficult of times can be redeemed in the hands of a loving God who would stop at nothing and sacrifice everything to make all things new and good. It is good because he made it good. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, as we come here today, remembering that day where you gave up your life for us, we just want to dedicate this time this morning to you, knowing that you gave up your life for us so that we could return back to you to be in a relationship with you once again. That day that the disciples and all his followers that seemed so bad truly turned out to be the greatest gift of all. So Lord, we give you thanks and praise for who you are. Amen. So, any parents out there who have attempted to give their child any sort of Panadol, antibiotics that tasted like peach, or wild cherry, 
just disgusting. Any wonder no child wants to have it. They're squirming. You're trying to inject with a little syringy thing into their mouth and then they spit it all out. And we're trying to convince them, no, no, it's okay. It's okay. You'll, you'll feel better. Your headache will go. Your, the temperature will go. Um, the cough or sickness that you're feeling will uh, go away. And we're trying to convince them that it's okay. And you, know, you try and hide it in some, something else. And for any one of us who've, who ever remembers it or has tried it, or you might remember having to have the, the polio vaccine when you were a child, it was disgusting. And you would often have a, a jelly bean or something afterwards to get rid of that yucky taste. And believe it or not, that's where the song from Mary Poppins, A Spoonful of Sugar, comes from. It's also a bit like going to the dentist as well. Who here likes going to the dentist? Not many of us. Because there's big needles that go into our mouths. There's um, drills that are like grinding. It feels like our whole brain is vibrating. And it's terrible. And it's not only painful for us, it's also painful for our bank account as well. But we know that in the end, it is good for us. It is good for our health and our well-being that we go to the dentist. So that brings me to ask, what is so good about Good Friday? Have you ever stopped to consider why we call the day of Jesus' crucifixion Good Friday? What good could there be about an innocent man being killed in such a brutal and humiliating way? What good could there be that comes from Jesus dying on the cross? In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18, Paul tells the church at Corinth that the cross is foolish to those who do not call Jesus Lord. And it may seem foolish to call something so good, uh, so bad, sorry, so, something so bad, good. And many of us might ask ourselves, what was God thinking? It wasn't that long ago that we were celebrating Christmas. And yet here we are, celebrating or remembering his death. But if we're familiar with the Bible, and we know many of the stories within the Bible, we will come to see that over and over and over again, God does his best work when things look really, really bad. Joseph being sold into slavery to Egypt and then getting chucked into, into jail. Um, David, King David, running and having to hide in the mountains. Even despite things looking really, really bad, he does his best work amongst burden, ridicule, and loneliness. And that goes the same for us. Chapter 23, verses 26. As the soldiers led him away, they seized Simon from Cyrene. 
who was on his way from the country. And they put the cross on him and made him carry it behind Jesus. The weight of that rugged, heavy cross caused Jesus to collapse on that Friday. And at that moment, the Roman soldiers grabbed a man named Simon and forced him to carry it. So Simon followed Jesus, carrying his cross up that hill called Golgotha. Simon's act on the way to Golgotha was a living picture of Jesus' call to his disciples, including us. From Luke chapter 9, verses 23, it says, Then he said to them all, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. What this means is that we are asked to put aside what we want to do and focus on what God wants us to do. In the Garden of Gethsemane, the night before Jesus, the night Jesus was betrayed, he prayed earnestly with his father that he may not have to go to the cross. But in the end, he listened to his father and, and went away to Calvary. And while we are called to carry our cross as a follower of Jesus, this thankfully is just a figure of speech. But what it does mean is that we are called to deny ourselves of our own desires and suffer for the sake of Jesus. And while this appears to be quite a weighty task, and at times it even seems unachievable, so how, how is it that we might find strength to bear the burdens we carry today? Again, the answer is found in words from Jesus, who spoke in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 to 30. It says, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. In this passage, Jesus is addressing those who are struggling and burdened by the demands of life. And he is offering them rest and comfort. And the same invitation is extended to each and every single one of us. He is inviting us to, to come to him and take upon his yoke, which means to join him in his work and to learn from him. In doing so, we are acknowledging that we need his help and his guidance in navigating the challenges of life. He is promising to give us rest from our burdens and to guide us with his gentle and humble spirit. He is inviting us to learn from him and to follow his example with, of humility and compassion 
and to find rest and peace for our souls. Jesus' yoke is easy and his burden is light because he is not asking us to bear the weight of our struggles alone. He is offering to walk beside us and carry our burdens. By accepting his invitation, we are allowing him to lighten our load and guide us towards a life of greater peace and purpose. Those who pass by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, so, you who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, come down from the cross and save yourself. In the same way, the chief priests and the teachers of the law mocked him among themselves. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. Isn't it amazing that these people were passing by? And it's likely that some of these people even witnessed his triumphant entry into Jerusalem just the week prior. And now they were amongst those hurling insults. We too know just how quickly public opinion can change. We see it in the media all the time. The scaremongering, the headlines, they're all fed to us according to someone else's agenda. How often do we fall into the trap of formulating an opinion on someone or something before we have all the details and we take sides, gossip and ridicule others? The easiest way to see this in society is to make the mistake of reading the comments, reading the ridiculous and hateful things people say at the bottom of Facebook, Reddit posts and YouTube. And they say it regardless of whether or not they've actually read or watched the whole article. They're basing their opinion on maybe just the headline or the first five seconds because that's all their attention span is. Many of these social media commenters are just passing by, making comments regardless of the impact it's making on others. And unfortunately, we have these people in our lives also, people that don't take time to listen, those that don't try to understand us or don't bother to attempt to listen at all. They're too busy thinking about what they're going to say next. The art of listening is all too often lost. They're too busy, again, ridiculing us. And it hurts. And there's nothing good about being ridiculed. 
But God had a plan on how to redeem ridicule. It's not easy, but it is a way to make something bad and make something good out of it. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 44, Jesus calls us to love our enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Love, love our enemies. Jesus loved and loved and forgave, even when he was nailed on the cross. But how can we? First of all, Jesus requires it of us to love our neighbours, love our enemies, and pray for those that persecute us. And it seems like a tall order, and we can make all the excuses that we want. You know, it was them that said that awful thing. It was them that did that. I didn't do anything wrong. But it's up to us to make the first move. We are called to be different from everybody else. And while the rest of society says to take an eye for an eye, we are called to love, pray and forgive. And it's not just good for our souls, it's actually good for our health. Heeding Jesus' prescription to love and forgive is actually... Um, recommended by clinical physicians. The Mayo Clinic, regularly acknowledged as one of being the top clinical organisations in the US, says this about forgiveness. Letting go of grudges and bitterness can make way for improved health. Forgiveness can lead to healthier relationships and improved mental health, less anxiety, stress, hostility, and fewer symptoms of depression, can lower blood pressure and improve immune systems. Also leads to improved heart health and self-esteem. So again, doesn't, it's not only good for our souls to let go of the hurt and anger that we're holding on to, it's good for our health. So what should we do when we find ourselves being ridiculed and mistreated? Proverbs chapter 3 verses 5 to 8 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. One of the key ways to watching God take a bad day and make it good is found in trusting him and leaning not on what we think we should be doing, not stressing about trying to do it in our own strength. Stop and pray 
Let go of what you think your day is supposed to look like and take those steps of faith, trusting in him. In this, you can find healing and refreshment. At noon, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. And at three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lemma sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Hours had passed while Jesus hung upon that tree. Finally, he cries out to his father. Where are you? We see in this moment one of the most enduring and poignant expressions of human suffering. We see a clear picture of the humanity of Jesus. Jesus is experiencing loneliness as no one had experienced it before. And he cries out to his father, the one to whom he would shortly commend his spirit. Why have you forsaken me? We might ask ourselves, had God truly forsaken Jesus in that moment? And most certainly, Jesus' cry of abandonment as genuine. And there are times in our lives where we all feel this way. And as Jesus was fully human, it is fair to believe that he would have experienced a sense of despair and isolation as he endured the agony of the cross. However, it's important to note that Jesus' sense of abandonment was only temporary. And he ultimately affirmed his faith in God, trusting in his ultimate plan and purpose. And so while Jesus experienced loneliness on the cross, we too experience loneliness. In Timothy chapter 2, uh, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 11 to 13, we see that the Apostle Paul, he experienced loneliness. He sits imprisoned in Rome, his death imminent. He's feeling the weight of loneliness as he writes. Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, because he is helpful to me in my ministry. I sent Tychius to Ephesus. When you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas and my scrolls, especially the parchments. Why would Paul write this? It's because he required companionship. In the midst of feeling abandoned, he turns to his physical and spiritual needs. He asks for his cloak to warm himself. And he asks for friends to come and provide him with fellowship. And saving the most needed for last, he asks for his scriptures to warm and comfort his soul. 
And when loneliness is literal, it is important to give attention to your physical needs. Seek out trusted fellowship with friends. And most importantly, draw near to God. So what makes Good Friday good? For everyone that was present on that day, it would have been far from good. Jesus' followers would have been completely devastated by his death. Their teacher and friend who was innocent had been brutally killed. People around him thought that he was going to rise up as a king and overthrow the Roman rulers. Yet, there he was, hanging on a cross. As far as they would have been concerned, it was quite literally the worst day imaginable. His disciples fled and hid, scared that they too would find themselves hanging beside him. So what makes Good Friday good? The answer is Jesus. He makes it good. He was never going to send and raise an army to overthrow the oppressive Romans. That was never the purpose of his presence. He had a far greater purpose that wouldn't just free the Jews. It would free us as well. It would free every single person from that moment forward until the end of time. In Romans 5, chapter 6 to 8, Paul explains, You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely... Will anyone die for a righteous person? Though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Christ died for us and he took upon himself the punishment that we deserved. And it died with him on the cross. All the sins that we have ever committed and all the sins that we are yet to commit were taken care of in his perfect sacrifice. He isn't waiting for us to be perfect. If that was the case, he would be waiting a very long time. So regardless of the fact that we continue to sin and do not show love to one another, we were included in that sacrifice. God demonstrated his love for us through the death of Jesus Christ at just the right time. He did not wait for us to all become perfect, but rather offered it freely and without condition. So that very bad day was quite possibly the most beautiful picture of God's love for you. And that's what makes it so good. God is at work in the midst of the bad days to bring about good in his creation, to bring about reconciliation between himself and us. In fact, 
Good Friday may just have been the goodest of all the days. But is it? I think there may be a better one in just a couple more days. Would you pray with me, church? Heavenly Father, we give you thanks and praise for the most wonderful and perfect sacrifice that you made that day. You made it knowing that you were going to reconcile us back to yourself. And so it was with great joy that you experienced that horrible death, knowing that all too well you were going to bring us back to you. So, Lord, at this time we pray that you would forgive us for all the times where we have not done what we thought we should do, what, what we ought to do. For those times where we have spoken the wrong words, when we have left behind things that we're not proud of. And we turn back to you, Lord Jesus. Knowing that we will be once again cleansed of our sins. Lord Jesus, we give you thanks that we are now able to be in that most wonderful relationship with you. Knowing that you took upon that cross all the sins of the world and all of our sins so that we could one day be with you in heaven. In your name we pray. Amen. I want to thank you all for joining us here this morning and especially for those of you who are new or visiting. We just want to say a big thank you for joining us.